0: Here then, frost, low 33, Saturday, sunny with a high of 59. This is uh, Todd from Highland Park, New Jersey. I listen to Bullseye with Jesse Thorne because he's well-researched. I'm Jesse Thorne. This week, I'll talk with actor Peter Sarsgaard, star of the new film The Sound of Silence, plus musician, producer, and beatboxer Taylor McFerrin. That's on the next Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR.
1: This is Pete Seeger. You are listening to WJFF Community Radio. WJFF combines public radio with local programming, the best listening our side of the Susquehanna.
2: WJFF, Jeffersonville, New York, W233AH, Monticello.
0: PR News in Washington, I'm Jack Spear. The State Department's inspector general brought documents to Congress today that left congressional staffers with many questions about the Ukraine investigation. Michelle Kellerman has details.
1: The State Department's IG, Steve Linick, had called for an urgent meeting with Senate and House committee staff. The ranking Democrat on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, Bob Menendez, says his office is just beginning to examine the documents, which he describes as, quote, long-debunked theories and false statement to Ukraine, Marie Ivanovich, Senator Menendez says this illustrates the disinformation campaign against a career diplomat who was abruptly withdrawn from Kiev in May. What's not clear, the Democrat says, is Secretary of State Mike Pompeo's role. House committees have delayed their deposition of former Ambassador Yovanovitch until October 11th. Michelle Kellerman, NPR News, the State Department.
0: Secretary of State Mike Pompeo was now confirming he was on the phone call between President Trump and the Ukrainian president that is the subject of an impeachment inquiry. Pompeo did not give any information about the contents of the call, saying only he was well-versed in U.S. policy towards Ukraine. During that call, President Trump prompted the Ukrainian leader to investigate President Trump's political rival, Joe Biden, and his son, Hunter Biden. Pompeo was under increasing scrutiny from House Democrats who were leading the impeachment inquiry. Pompeo pushing back a bit, saying the depositions of some State Department employees were not giving them enough time to schedule. A year ago today, Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi was killed in the Saudi embassy in Turkey. A memorial was held today in Istanbul, where, as NPR's Peter Kenyon reports, Khashoggi's fiancée called for Saudi Arabia to be held accountable for his death.
1: The memorial began just after 1 o'clock local time, the same time Khashoggi walked into the Saudi consulate in Istanbul last year, seeking papers to enable his marriage to his Turkish fiancée Hatice Cengiz. Cengiz told the audience she was broken by Khashoggi's murder, but still seeks justice.
0: I want to know what happened to his body. I want that those in power are held accountable for their actions.
1: The Turkish representative of Reporters Without Borders added that Khashoggi was killed within 10 minutes of entering the consulate, showing that it was a planned killing. The Saudis called it a rogue operation. Peter Kenyon, NPR News, Istanbul.
0: New private sector numbers show the economy was still adding jobs in September, though at a slightly slower pace. Payroll processor ADP announcing today U.S. companies added 135,000 jobs last month. Some of the biggest cuts apparently coming in fields like mining and manufacturing, which lost a combined 5,000 jobs. The more broad-based government jobs numbers are due out Friday. The sell off continued on Wall Street today. The Dow was down 494 points. The NASDAQ lost 123 points. This is NPR. With the U.S. given the green light.
1: It's Wednesday, hump day, October 2nd on this wet, overcast day in Concord, New Hampshire. You, of course, are attuned to the attitude with Arnie Arneson and Ken Barnes. And, Ken, it was kind of warm today. I mean, it doesn't feel like fall today. It's kind of muggy and thick, muggy and thick. So that's my weather report, but it's actually an accurate representation of the changing nature of weather because apparently around the country, some of the hottest days ever are being felt yesterday and today. So I'm, I'm just sort of being au courant.
2: Well, it's really amazing in New Hampshire. They always say that if you don't like the weather, wait, wait an hour hour and yeah. it'll be different. And yeah. it really is. It was cold yesterday yeah. and, and it's hot today. It's a hot today. Exactly. Who knows? It'll snow tomorrow. It's no. crazy.
1: Well, you know, this is going to be the striped weather, is what they. But they have a story about Paul Bunyan and the striped weather. I don't know. I, I'm from really? the Midwest. Well, I went yeah. to school in Minnesota, and you you saw lots of Paul Bunyan stories oh, yeah. out there. Oh yeah. In fact, a woman just gave me a book about some some history of Norwegian traditions in the Midwest. And then she gave me chapstick with the Norwegian flag on it. I'm thinking, oh, this is probably, you know, I'm half Norwegian. What am I going to do? <laughs> anyway, darling. All right. So where are we going to start today?
2: Well, I told you before the show, I couldn't believe it. I heard a report earlier by a guy that wrote a recent book about oh, yeah. Trump and Pence. And it startled me because apparently Trump's first choice for his vice presidential running mate was his daughter yeah ivanka
1: yeah
2: what could that man possibly be thinking? His aides originally thought that he was joking or yeah. that he couldn't be serious, and they were just stunned to find out that he was serious about this. He didn't see anything wrong. Uh, well, I guess he didn't see anything wrong with ogling his young daughter, and mm-hmm. apparently he doesn't see anything wrong with having his daughter be his nepotistic vice president.
1: So yesterday we were interviewing it's- John Nichols, and we were talking about impeachment. I-, I love the idea that this is impeachment classic. That was just a- one of the best lines ever. That was brilliant. Go back and listen to yesterday's show, everyone. It was just phenomenal. Anyway, but but it was a learning experience for all of us. But as we were talking, I said to him, did you see the piece in The American Prospect by Robert Kuttner? And he referred to Donald Trump as the mad king. Mm -hmm. So if you understand that, the idea of his daughter being the VP fits into the idea that he sees himself as royalty. He yeah. is a deity. This is not about electing a president. He wants to be there in perpetuity. He wants to hand over the keys to the kingdom to his child, uh, which is why he brought them in as part of his administration, thought about her as an actual vice president, and didn't think he would do it. He's doing uh, along the border where he talked about the moat that he wanted to build and the, the sharks or the alligators or the snakes <laughs> in the moat, and he wanted to shoot them. Shoot in the, leg. Shooting the legs! How futile is that? It's medieval. It, really it is, is medieval. So he has got the king syndrome, and everything he is working out is part of that idea that somehow he is anointed, and this is about ascent to power. This is not about an election,
2: right? And oh. just for anybody that didn't hear the show yesterday, the, the reason why. John Nichols said that this is classic impeachment. It's what the founders had in mind when they enacted the impeachment clause. It is because that clause was for somebody who gets elected by a democratic election process Mm -hmm. and forget about interference and fixing and all of that, but get elected to president under a democracy and then Get take all of the powers that mm-hmm. one has as president and abuses them in order to perpetuate his reign. Yeah. And his that Wayne. is exactly what this man is doing, right, perpetuating exactly. his, his reign Wayne. and having his daughter be
1: the, the next president. in
2: line is exactly what uh, but, but, would fit with that.
1: But remember, they were coming up with an interesting new idea. It wasn't about a king. It was about an elected president. And so the whole concept was new. They already knew that they would be vulnerable to foreign influence. They would be vulnerable to emoluments. They would be vulnerable because it was there was no foundation upon which to build. So they had to start figuring out, anticipating what could happen. And of course, we haven't seen what they thought would happen until Donald Trump.
2: Right. And well, and the other thing was that they well knew that everybody they're all human beings and they have flaws and they can be tempted if some of us can be more tempted than others mm-hmm. if we have the access to whatever our hearts might desire and yeah. somebody like trump is tempted by power he gets elected and oh this is pretty good i think i'll so
1: stick although with this. although george washington did have slaves you have to admire him for the fact that he decided to walk away he could have been easily turned into the concept that they were familiar Absolutely. with a king. Absolutely. He could have gone on almost in perpetuity like we see the president of China, like we're basically seeing with the variation with Putin. I mean, they, uh, they, there is such a tendency to want to stay and to cling to power. And George Washington, part of that conversation with the Constitution, part of the beginnings, he understood that he had to start – by doing it right from the beginning. And you can never be more grateful than that decision. Right. Absolutely. But
2: even two elections after that, you know, that election was yep. decided in the House of Representatives. Yep. And it could have also gone downhill right. and resulted in a civil war rather right. than a democratic resolution. Right. And Jefferson himself, had impeachment issues with people in his administration right. and yeah. and you know marbury against madison right. the the case where <laughs> the supreme court declared that it had the final the, the power final say, the to final decide what the law is yep. that was over Exactly a similar kind of thing. Somebody whose power was waning, you right. know, the last days between the election and right. the next president and, and appointing someone who's going to keep his policies yeah, in, in place. place. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my gosh, yeah. you know, we we, were, we had some close we had, calls. We, we had, and,
1: but again, please listen to John Nichols interview yesterday. I may probably even make it the best of. But it was just what an amazing history lesson. What a, and, and as I said to him yesterday, and you heard me say this, mm-hmm. I said, John, Congress should ask you to come and testify and sort of set that historical stage for them. One, it will make them feel so much better about what they're about to do. Also, to understand this is really what the framers understood. This is exactly the situation they anticipated. No, Donald Trump, this ain't a coup. You know, this was exactly what they envisioned and they put tools into the Constitution to actually respond to it. Right. It's it, unbelievable. And
2: the danger the impeachment was to fight against was a coup by an elected president. <laughs> which is what he's
1: attempting to do. Which is what he's been
2: attempting yeah, to do. Yeah,
1: very yeah. amazing. Yeah. All right, everyone. So uh, but the the story of all this is really a result of what happened with this whistleblower who really gave Congress finally the opportunity to do what they needed to do. And uh, when I thought about whistleblowers, I saw a piece uh, that was written by our good friend Mel Goodman, who we're about to call right now. And Mel Goodman, by the way, everyone, was a whistleblower. In fact, he wrote a book about being a whistleblower. So as this whole story is uh, unfolding, how can you not— turn to Mel and say, OK, Mel, you've got to come on the air and talk to us about this uh, piece that you wrote at Counterpunch. So um, we're going to be joined by Mel Goodman. Uh, he has been teaching uh, in Maryland today. But his piece about at Counterpunch is, I think, a very important one. And it's also important because he also understands— the geography of Washington. And I don't mean, you know, where the streets are. I mean, you know, who is assigned to what office? How long are they assigned? What does this mean? Who should you turn to when certain events will happen? So um, his piece at Counterpunch was entitled, everyone, Trump's War on Whistleblowers. So everyone, he's at school, let me explain this. So he teaches... In Maryland. And so one of the things we were trying to do is have him grab a landline in order for him to have a, uh, a clearer conversation with us, because the story is way too important. Let me just start by sharing the opening sentences of his piece at Counterpunch. Donald Trump campaigning in Iowa in 2015 sa- said that, quote, I've had a lot of wars of my own. I'm really good at war. I love war, close quote. Well, for the past three years, we have witnessed—now listen to what he writes—we have witnessed Trump's wars on governance, on science, on national security.